welcome to the podcast. Coming to you from the Midwest Coast. I'm inside that miraculous establishment, the Midwest Healing Center, Lake of the Ozarks, podcast, Studio B. This is the new old school podcast. I am your host, Don Allen. Tell somebody about the podcast. It's all free. You know, you can download any of these free apps to any mobile device. Podbean, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, iTunes Store, Spotify, all free. And you can join the thousands upon thousands listening every week from all over this blue marble planet. I mean, I am really, I'm shocked and humbled as I look at who's listening and from where. And really, we're just reaching the world this week. I love it. Now we can add Hong Kong to the list. Of course, we still have the USA on top and Australia, Canada, Philippines, Nambia, Ethiopia, South Africa, UK, Nigeria. The list, it goes on and on. I'm so thankful for all of you. Thank you. Just helping us spread that good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ worldwide. He's not just the United States Jesus. Isn't that right? Worldwide. Tell your friends. Check it out if you would, please. Well, as you know, we are in a very long series of podcasts here titled Doorways to Deception, and I had no idea this was going to turn into such a long series of podcasts, but that being said, I'm learning a lot. I hope you are too. We've been looking into how it is that this defeated foe, the one stripped of all power, has no authority. He's under my feet. How in the world does the devil seem to be able to have any effect in my life or, or any believer for that matter? It's not as simple as he can just do it whenever he wants to. No, it takes deceptions, lies. He's the father of lies, the deceiver of the brethren. It's, it's this trickery, right? He has to fool you into giving up your rights. Now, he has no power. But what it is that we surrender to him, and he, and he knows we would never do that willfully, so he's got to trick you into agreeing with him. And once we do that, he's found what we are calling doorways, ways into our life that he can affect us. So we've been uh, going back. We wanted to see what these doorways are. Identify them so that we can close that door, stop the enemy from affecting us in any and every way. We... we Listen, he's had centuries to master his craft in lies and deceptions. So this podcast, this is what we're doing. We must be vigilant, right? 1 Peter 5 and verse 8, be sober, be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Sober and vigilant. We have to always keep in mind that he is out seeking whom he may devour. Don't be one. The Bible says neither in Ephesians, neither give place to the devil. So no, he cannot simply walk into your life. Guys, listen, if he could, I promise you right now, he would do more than just irritate you, right? 
all this bull uh, right now, there's some ministers out there making such a big deal about deliverance and how it is the devil, the devil, the devil, the devil, the devil. My eye twitched, it's the devil. I wanted a donut. If I've wanted a donut more than once and I haven't overcome that and I've already been prayed for it, then that's the devil. That's the devil. That's a demon of a donut right there. It's a demon. It's a demon. I'm telling you right now, if he really had that kind of power and authority to waltz in and out of our life, please, we wouldn't make it long. He's not out to inconvenience you a little bit. He wants you dead. You're a threat to him. So in the end, seeing that he cannot kill you physically, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably have passed up great opportunities to die at some point. He couldn't do that. So what he looks to do next is to kill your purpose. Because if he can kill the believer's purpose, you will stop living and you will resort to simply existing. I see this in so many people's lives. Today we're going to discuss one way he does that again. And listen, I know this is uh, always a sensitive topic. I know, and my purpose on this podcast is not to offend, even though I do at times. And at the same time, I still have to share the truth as I know it. So you need to listen with a spiritual ear today because there are some keys to walking in supernatural health. And that's what we're talking about today. Deceptions that produce illness in people, especially believers. This persistent presence of sickness and diseases and illnesses of any sort in a person's body may be a sign that there is an area of deception somewhere in your heart. Now, remember, deception by definition is believing something is true or valid when it is actually untrue and invalid. Would you agree today that Jesus not only took the cross, but that he actually was whipped and beaten beforehand? You, you believe that, right? You, you remember that story, that part? Now ask yourself why. Uh, have you ever, why, why don't we see the other two that day that were with Jesus being beaten like this? Pilate ordered this, but what he could not have known is that he was an instrument in helping Jesus fulfill prophecy. Isaiah 53, 4 and 5, surely he has borne our griefs, our sicknesses, our weaknesses and distresses, and he carried our sorrows and pains of punishment, yet we ignorantly considered him stricken, smitten and afflicted by God, as with leprosy. But no, the truth is he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our guilt, our iniquity, the chastisement needful to obtain peace and well-being for us was placed upon him. And with the stripes that wounded him, you and I, we are healed. We are made whole, written some 900 plus years earlier before that event actually took place. By the spirit of God, prophet Isaiah saw this coming. Isn't that awesome? Do we agree that Jesus came and it took place just as it said it would? I, I don't know if you realize this or not. Did you know that Jesus actually believes that he took all your infirmities? He healed all your diseases. He actually believes that. Do you? See, it's a historical fact that this took place. So if he was wounded by the stripes, he took the guilt, right? The chastisement to obtain peace. So it says we are healed and made whole. So that's a spiritual fact. It took place, settled, and done. It's in the word. It's forever settled in heaven. Now, Peter, looking back, 1 Peter 2 and verse 24. He himself bore our sins in his own body on that tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. He bore our sins on that tree, on that cross, right? He, he did that, right? You believe that? You believe that? 
Well, if you believe that, you have to believe the entirety of the scripture by whose stripes you were healed. Now, he said that different, didn't he? He said it past tense. You were healed. Interesting, isn't it? So the reality in heaven is Jesus did it, and because he did it, you were past tense already healed. Well, Donnie, but clearly I'm not. I mean, come on, I mean, I have this, that, and the other. Clearly we can see my body is not healed. What do you mean I'm healed already? Well, are you saved already? Did Jesus secure the rights for you and anybody who wanted to? You could be born again, and you did it, didn't you? You did it. You, you are now born again. But wait a minute now. Wait, 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 wait. No, wait a minute. Have you seen heaven? Have you been there? I mean, do you have an address? Have you seen God? No, I mean, have you seen him? Have you seen Jesus? I'm not talking about the painting. Have you seen the streets of gold? How about your mansion? How about the angels flying around the throne of God? Did, did you get grabbed out of hell's doorway one day physically? I mean, you were standing there and he, and he no, no, you didn't but you're saved right now, aren't you? Well, how in the world would you know it without any physical evidence of it? How, how do you know saved? What do you mean you're still, on, you're, you're still on this planet, aren't you? You're still walking through life every day here on the earth, aren't you? What do you mean I'm already saved? That's where people get real weird about faith, people. Let me say this. As one deception that the devil has us convinced of that you're the sick trying to get healed. Well, are you the unsaved always trying to get saved every day, even though there are things trying to oppose you and things that take place that would go directly against thinking I am saved, but yet here I am saved? No, biblically, you are the healed, and Satan is trying to always steal that from you. And the only weapon he has to be able to do it is deception to get you to believe that I am sick and diseased and I'm ill. Listen, you may very well have symptoms right now, a cancerous tumor, uh, migraine, arthritis, whatever. This isn't mind science. It's all about faith in the word of God, just like I'm not a sinner always trying to get saved. I am saved. Even on my worst days, I'm saved. And the devil's always going to try to get you to think that you are not. I mean, we can have great manifestations of sin actions in our lives, right? Even when you're born again. We sin. We do wrong sometimes. We do, but is that proof that I am unsaved? So is sickness proof that I'm not healed? Come on, are you following me? My Bible says I am, so what I have to do now, just like my salvation, is to remain vigilant in it. No, I am healed. In order to be sick, you have to be deceived into thinking that you are, and here's a great example. You ever feel that little tickle in your throat? Maybe uh, it starts to burn a little bit. Oh, <laughs> oh no, I'm so, I wonder if I've got strep. I think I have a cold. Isn't that what we do right away? Right away. No, no, no. When, when we sin, we don't right away go, oh my God, I'm not saved. I'm not saved anymore. I'm just not saved anymore. I'm not saved. Oh my God, I sinned. I'm not saved. I looked at that girl and I'm now not, I'm not saved. I'm not saved. It's the same thing I'm talking about. The second that something comes, how are we approaching it? We do not approach sickness and disease in the same way that we approach our salvation, and yet he said they're both completed facts. In the same dang sentence, he said it was wrapped up. 
But we take this word sicknesses and diseases and we place it on a whole other level for some reason because we've not been vigilant in studying it and finding out that it's the same thing. You have to fight it the same way. It would be the same as saying you stubbed your toe and you said a cuss word and you're like, well, great, I'm not saved now. Crap, crap, I'm going straight to hell. Please don't come back today, Jesus. I'll burn in hell. I just stubbed my toe and I cussed. That's exactly what we're doing with sickness and disease. Oh, I got this little thing. Right away, right away. Well, I heard it's going around and I was near so-and-so and they were coughing and it's flu season and cold season. It's a deception. And you're agreeing with him. Been so overlooked when it comes to physical issues. We know it spiritually. I'm born again. I've been saved. Even though not one of you have been to heaven lately, right? Haven't shook Jesus's hand. Been welcome into the key. You haven't seen your name in the Lamb books, uh, the Lamb's Book of Life, have you? Well, how in the world would you know that you're saved? Oh, because that little song that we sang in Vacation Bible School, because the Bible tells me so. You mean you believe that? You believe you did what it says, and you became born again. I see. You trusted the book, and, and I guess you're probably trusting the book every day in that particular area. So for you, done deal. Why not healing? I have days I do not feel saved, but it changes nothing. Think about it. Most of your days on the earth do not reflect heaven, do they? It's not like Jesus' presence is all around me as I walk in the heavenly light with the angels of God and the glory. I mean, the, the glory. You have to say it right if, it, if it's actually in it. The glory flowing from my fingers. Touching the sick and they're getting healed. My shadow falling on people and they rise up and everybody's like, oh my goodness, what is it? Look at you, I need to be saved. You convict me of my sins and they fall down at my feet in Walmart. No, you go about your daily life and some days better than others, but regardless, I am born again. Good days, really crappy days, wonderful days. I do the word of God and the days that I don't. This should not be any different and yet we do view it differently and that's a deception. Watch this because, again, we have no problem spiritually talking about this. But when it comes to the body, boy, we change it up. 1 Corinthians 6, do you not know that he that is joined to a harlot is one body with her? For the two, he says, shall become one flesh. So what's he talking about here? Spirit of body. He's talking about our bodies. Flee sexual immorality. That's the body. Every sin that a man does is outside the Body, body. But he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. So is he talking about spirit or body? Body. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God and you are not your own? For you were bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body. Now, wait a minute, where? In your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Spirit and body. Did I mention body? Does sickness glorify God in the body? Friends, the point that I'm trying to drive home is that the devil will try to tell you to focus on the spiritual side and ignore the body or the physical side, and he will make you think, yeah, right, because spirit stuff is more important. Well, guess what? Your body is the temple of Holy Spirit. You think he wants it nice? You think it's important? You ever tried to lead somebody to the Lord without your body? It's kind of important right now. But the devil, he will deceive you into thinking that it isn't. And that it would be carnal to even consider it. 
These are lies. Take care of that body. If we just ignore it, we will allow things to take place in the body that should not be. And you and I both know it affects your walk spiritually. When you don't feel good enough to talk to anybody, even read your Bibles or even sometimes pray, and it affects your attitude. All lies from the devil. For sickness to take hold and to keep hold upon you, you'll have to be deceived in that area to be believing something other than the word of God that seems to work in all other areas of your life when applied. So we have to identify the source of sickness because if we think for five seconds that God has anything to do with it at all, well, then you wouldn't fight it, would you? Not in the way you need to. Now, listen, we need to know where it's coming from so that we can know what to receive as God's will and what to reject with all that's in me. And a big, big deception, which just blows my mind, is that sickness is from God. They name a number of different things to teach, uh, to test, to punish me, to draw me closer to him, to, to trust him. Well, if we can't identify where it's coming from, John 10, 10, do you believe it? The thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Two players in this scripture, Mr. Thief and Mr. Abundant Life. So who's who? There's only two players. God isn't both. So if God is responsible for sickness or diseases or illnesses that steal and kill and destroy, there's only one other player. You're going to tell me the devil's the abundant life giver because there's only two here. I think we know. Jesus made it abundantly clear more than once that he has come to undo, destroy the works of the devil. Well, if we look in the four gospels, uh, miracles, healing, blind eyes, open, deaf ears, hearing, lame, walk, dead, raised, fevers, gone, diseases, cured. Two thirds of Jesus's ministry upon the earth that we have recorded was miracles, physical miracles. Why? Because his meat was to do the will of him who sent me. Acts 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. So now we have Luke saying, hey, sickness is equivalent to being oppressed by the devil. Oppression, what does that mean? Having hard control over, uh, like a taskmaster telling you what you can or cannot do if you can do anything at all. Calling the shots, right? A deception that is just rampant in the church is God uses sicknesses and diseases, causes them, allows them for any reason at all. Garbage. What unbiblical, unscriptural garbage. I don't know, I don't know if you can tell that I'm a little bit passionate about this one. James 1 and verse 13, 16, and 17, let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For temptation does not originate from God, but from our own flaws. Uh-oh, where? You mean you have to take some responsibility? But it was the devil, your own flaws. I'm so sick and tired of people blaming the devil for everything. I just, I'm irritated because I read something that some minister had, and I mean just the st stupidest line of garbage. I'm reading down this thing. It's a deliverance ministry. And I'm telling you, he is blaming every, every little physical thing that we do on the devil. And you need delivered from it. I mean, it was, man has to take no responsibility and have no self-control whatsoever. 
I mean, forget that part of, of the, of the, you know, the, the gifts, right? I mean, self-control, uh, you know, we don't need that because it's the devil. I mean, it's just the devil. So I'm a little irritated because I read down this thing and I mean, I'm telling you, it just real, it really totally, I mean, I'm talking silly things. I'm talking silly things, right? I mean, not even things that I'm kind of like, well, I mean, that is, that's, that's pretty, I mean, just, you know, man makes no choices, obviously. It's either God running the show or straight up Satan and man has nothing to do in the middle. So I'm just, I'm just a little irritated right now because I mean, I'm just like, people just don't want to take any responsibility whatsoever and have self-control and put their own flesh under. They don't want to crucify the flesh. It's just the devil. Anyway, uh, that's a whole other deal. I just, so you know why I'm irritated. But James 1, let no one say when, God, when being tempted, I'm tempted by God. Temptation does not originate from God. It's from your own flaws. For God cannot be tempted by what is evil, and he himself tempts no one. Do not be misled, my beloved brothers and sisters. Every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above. It comes down from the Father of lights, the creator and the sustainer of the heavens, in whom there is no variation, no rising or setting or shadow casting by his turning, for he is perfect and he never changes. Good and perfect gifts, like cancer, skin issues, heart disease, arthritis. Great gift. Thanks, thanks, Father. Praise the Lord, I have the cancer. Nobody's saying that. But you should, though. I mean, if indeed it was from God. God tests no one with the works of the devil or the works of the flesh. He's not working with him, teaming up to get control over you for some reason. No, he gave us free will. Why would he change now to bend your will by sickness and disease? That'll show him, even though I made him this way. Here's the other issue. Do you believe that Jesus was rebellious against his father's plans? Jesus is just, you know, one of those spoiled children that's just like, you know, I'm just going to do whatever I want to do whenever I want to do it. I'm the son of God. Did Jesus do things that were not his father, God's will upon the earth? I mean, he was sent as a human manifestation of God's will on the earth through man. What did Jesus say about it? John 6 and verse 38, for I've come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Oh, so you're not just doing this healing stuff to grow your ministry. I mean, it, this is what God's will is. What Jesus said to them, John 4, 34, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to completely finish his work. So my other point is then, can we agree that Jesus healed them all? I could give you about 15 minutes of scriptures that say it and show it, but do I need to? Just read the Gospels. You're not going to get very far. You're going to see a miracle, okay? So Jesus healed them all. All who came for it left with it, right? Isn't that what it says? So if it was the will of God for some or anyone, anyone at all to be sick and diseased, to be ill or crippled or maimed or whatever, why don't we see Jesus leaving some that way? or even, even making some that way. I mean, if it is the will of God, and he could have, he could have made a great example in a sermon uh, out of some things by teaching us to, to watch it, or God's going to get you. But he didn't do it. We don't see any biblical examples of Jesus leaving anybody the way that he found them. No sermons of teaching people lessons through sickness and diseases. He could had. And we would have said, okay, well, you know what? Sometimes he does. Uh, but... There's no sermons on that. Here he is. He, he's breaking up every funeral that he attended. No, no, he could have said, listen, my father needed another angel. And he took them. No, no, arise, live. 
Be healed. He healed every sick person who wanted it. Now, listen, I say who wanted it because we know there in Mark 6 in his own hometown, he could do no mighty works, save he did lay his hands on a few sick folk and he healed them. But overall, we're saying none of those great and mighty miracles that we have come to expect when Jesus was on the scene. Why? Well, it was Father God's will that that group, that particular group would remain sick. No, it says why. Because of their unbelief. They had no faith in this particular area because, hey, we know this guy. He's so-and-so's brother. We know your mom and dad. We know your family. It was unbelief. But that was not the will of God. And as a matter of fact, if you read that story, now he there could do no mighty works because of their unbelief. And you know, God could had once again said, well, you know what? There you go. You just don't want to believe? Then just stay that way. Be stupid and be sick. But no, it was so much not God's will. It says that Jesus went immediately after that and he began teaching and preaching in a circuit around that region. Why? Because faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So to change unbelief, he went and he began preaching and teaching, particularly on healing and miracles so that they could believe. And later on, we do see that he was able to work miracles in that region. But it all starts with that deception that God has anything to do with sicknesses and diseases in conjunction with it being his will for some mysterious reason. Friends, can I, can I ruin a, a doctrine for you? There is no mysterious will of God. Your Bible is the will of God. If it's a mystery, it's because you haven't read the book, okay? It's because you haven't checked in with Holy Spirit who leads you and guides you into all Truth, there are no mysteries here, okay? No mysteries. That's just, that's just a, a, a deception there, okay? So this is a deception that will drain you of all hope because after all, if it was God who gave it or used it or sanctioned it in your life for any purpose at all, it would be very counterproductive then to pray against his will to heal, wouldn't it? Why don't we see Jesus at least stopping I mean, every single time he's about to heal somebody, he's saying, Father God, if it be thine will, willeth thou allow me to heal this one of the palsy? Nope, he didn't do it. Boy, could you imagine? Jesus wouldn't have got very far if he had to stop every single time. Father God, what about this one? Would it be thine will that I would heal this one of the, the leprosy? You know, I don't know why he has that kind of a voice, but he did. Uh, I just finished preaching on a Sunday morning at a church not too far from here. As I'm going out to my car, the church is over, a man catches me outside, and he says, hey, would you come uh, and, and pray for my wife? And he's motioning over to this woman who is clearly struggling to walk to her car. It's probably in her mid-60s, I would say. Both knees were wrapped with some sort of bracing on them and, and, and some bandages over that, and he says she's just she's got bad knees, and she's had surgeries, and they just aren't working. I didn't even see this lady, well, I guess because she didn't get up to come up for healing during the service. They have pews, so I couldn't see. And so, but here she is, and she's had surgeries, and they're not working, and she's in so much pain. And I'm like, well, of course. And he said, well, here's the thing, man. She, she believes that this is God's will for her for some reason. I'm like, okay. So I walk up to her, and I said, uh, hey, um, your husband said that you, um, obviously, you have some bad knees here, but he said you've had surgeries, and and some things, yes, yes, through the years as I've gotten older, I, I just my knees, my knees gave out. Um, yeah, I'm just in so much pain. I can't even hardly walk anymore, as you can see. I mean, she's like, 
leaning on this car, just having a hard time. And, and so she's like, it's just it's so painful and I'm just so upset. And, and I said, well, he mentioned to me that you believe this is the will of God uh, for you for some reason, right? And she said, yes, I don't know why. I don't know, but he has a purpose in this and I'm just trying to walk in it. And I said, how dare you? How dare you try to get me to work against the will of God in your life? No, I will not pray for you to be healed today, but rather that you would end up in crippled in a wheelchair and I'm unable to ever walk again. Praise God. Hallelujah. The look on her face was pure horror. I said, doesn't that sound about right then? I mean, if it is God's will and all, I said, it doesn't make more sense that since you can't seem to receive it, your body can't seem to give in to it, doesn't it make more sense that God gave a son who took stripes upon his body so that you may be free and healed of this? And that the devil, he, he would possibly be the one who has a better plan for you to be crippled and in pain than God, right? Well, yeah. And I said, so we're going to pray. And I prayed and she was instantly healed right there in that parking lot. If it had been God's will, my prayer would not have produced anything anyway. I could not have overridden God's will in the matter, no matter what I prayed. Friends, we have to identify who the real enemy is here, or you're going to spend a whole lot of time fighting the wrong battles, and you're never going to be healed of anything ever. It is a work of the one who steals and kills and destroys. Do not partner with him. Real quick now, maybe Jesus was mistaken here in Luke 13. As he was teaching uh, in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, and behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years She's bent over. She could in no way raise herself up. But when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and he said, woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. And he laid his hands on her and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. But the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation because Jesus healed on the Sabbath. He said to the crowd, there are six days on which men ought to work. Therefore, you can come and you can be healed on one of them, but not on the Sabbath day. The Lord answered him. He said, you hypocrite. Does not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or his donkey from the stall and lead it away to water? So ought not this woman being the daughter of Abraham whom Satan has bound, think of it for 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath. Boy, when he heard these things, all of his adversaries were put to shame and the multitude rejoiced for the glorious things that were done by him. Who did Jesus say did it? Satan. Whom Satan has bound. Pretty clear. So this raises a question then. Do God and Satan sometimes switch places? I mean, like sometimes it's Satan, as we just saw, but other times it says it's God, does it? Does it? Do you believe that one? Or that God might might employ Satan in helping him guide our lives? Oh, wait, I thought that, wait, I think that's Holy Spirit, not Satan. Hmm. Interesting. I, I, I feel like We're acting like sickness and disease is the new Holy Spirit. Well, he does it to guide me and to direct me and and to speak. I thought thought we had Holy Spirit. Do, Do you really believe that that's what God does? I don't think so. You don't either. Do not open this doorway of deception, people. God is not, does not, has not, nor will he now ever use sickness, disease, physical issues, cause them, commission them, to bend you in some way, to lead you, to guide you, to teach you, to humble you, to punish you, to test you, Jesus paid the price. That price was more than enough, and you need to keep that door closed. 
so that we can then recognize who the real enemy is. And then we can and we will wage a good battle, and we're going to win those battles against the enemy. The enemy, who is the enemy? It's not God. It is the devil. Whom Satan has bound. Healing all that were oppressed of the devil. He went about casting out devils and healing the sick. Healing all. I don't know. It seems pretty simple to me. I mean, if, if you know your Bibles at all, don't buy the lie. God's a healer. The devil is a destroyer. A liar. A thief. Shut the door. Shut him up. Hey, don't forget we have the 101 Healing Scriptures for you here on the new Old School Podcast. So you can scroll down a little bit and find those. Build your faith. Build your faith in God who is a healer. Hey, that's all the time I have for today. Thank you for joining me on the new Old School Podcast. I am your host, Don Allen. You know what I'm going to be doing until next time? Oh, I'm going to be found attempting the ridiculous and achieving the miraculous.